So on my first part of the message, but God, you said, we talked a lot about Jacob, and I trust you can find that on the archives. Because the second half, I want to focus more on the whole issue of the faith that we talked about, that um, Jacob lacked and then seemed to develop and start to fight, fight with it. And out of understanding his, his um, fight against the enemy as the enemy fought against him with fear and, and uh, being afraid and this distress, I understand those feelings because uh, way back in the early years of our ministry, we started in 1973 in December of that year. Uh, kind of a street ministry just opened up on a Friday night, strumming some guitars and playing some drums and keyboards and stuff and led people in songs that, um, that um, uh, were coming, becoming popular at that time. David and Dale Garrett was very popular at that time where they sang scripture and then integrity came along. But to see, a year and a half after we are doing that, I became stressed to the point where I said, I have to either give up my job or give up the ministry. Three of, three of us had started it, and um, I didn't know what to do. But as we prayed about it, it was very clear, both to my wife and to myself, that I had to leave my job. I'd been with them at that point for nine years. I was, I was advancing in the company. It was an international company, which was very good to me. And I, have, I had to make a decision, and the decision wasn't hard. I had lost interest in the company, not because it wasn't a good company, had good people but because I'd seen God do some marvelous things in changing people's lives. And so now we're at a place where I'm leaving my job. I have four boys to feed, a house that wasn't paid for, and the boys were all about 12 years and younger. And I wouldn't have a car because I drove company car, and so no car, house not paid for, boys that had a habit of eating every day, and I'm in a place where the ministry, because it's basically street kids, young people, some adults now coming, but we really didn't have anything to offer me on the way of salary. And so my wife and I launched out by just believing that God would look after us because we felt so sure that he was calling us out. Now that's key. If you move into ministry and trust God to look after you simply because you're sick and tired of your job in the world, it probably isn't going to work. You need to know God. Jacob knew God was with him. Twice he said, and Lord, you have said, and so we needed in those years that followed after leaving my job in, in July the 1st of 1975, 
We knew that every time the, the bills were, were coming in and they're going to be due in a certain date and the money wasn't there, the bank account was, was just a few bucks, so my wallet was flat. You see, we had to discipline ourselves. We blew it sometimes. But we had to discipline ourselves to say, Lord, you called me into this, so therefore you will look after me. Philippians 4.17 said, I'm sorry, 4.19 says, my God shall supply all of your needs. That's true if we're in his will. That's true if he's called us to what we're doing. And we used to have to fight against our thoughts, our thoughts coming at us. I remember those thoughts saying, well, you, you'll never get a car. You'll never have money for food for the boys. You'll never make your, your house payments, on and on. I remember those thoughts. It was like Jacob, he's going to, Esau's going to kill you. He's going to wipe out your family. And you see, we had to learn to take what God had said. And like Esau, all that stuff, I said, but God has said, i am called you out of your job. I will look after you. I will provide for you. Well, he did. We had our house paid for before the mortgage term was even up. We had it paid for before. A man in our church sold us a car. He said, I, you, you just pay me whenever you can. He had to give me a very good price on it. It was a nice car. Like the Lord just began to look after us. There was times of trials. There was once when, when my tax for my property, this, there's three installments, and one of those installments was due. And I'm sitting there, and it's due today, and I don't have the money to pay it. And I said, Lord, after today, you have to pay interest on this. And I took that, and I put it up on the books at the bottom of my desk, and within two days, I had a check in the mail that paid for my tax. That actually happened twice each time. I said, Lord, you're responsible for this. You're paying tax. It's your money you pay interest on, pardon me. You pay interest on it. And he got it paid off. Now, what were we doing? Exactly what I said in the first part. We're taking Romans 10, 8 to 10, and we're saying, I know what God has promised. So therefore, Margaret and I, my wife and I, we are going to say in the good times, thank you, God, for looking after us. Even though the bank account is nothing to cheer about and nothing much in our pockets, Lord, thank you for looking after us. And we get what's in our minds. We get it into our hearts. It's called believing, choosing to believe. And then when the enemy comes at us with thoughts and the bill comes in and his thoughts follow the bill in to tell me I no way I can pay it, out of my mouth had to come exactly what Jacob did. But God, you said, you said you would look after us. In all those years, we got out of debt. We didn't go into debt. The only thing that I can remember we bored was when we bought the car and the guy had said, pay me whenever you can. I said to him, I'm going to have this paid in six months. 
He said, all right. When I made the final payment, I'd forgotten about the fact I'd said six months. I give him the check for the final payment, and he looked at it, and he said, Howard, were you aware? It's exactly six months to the day this check is dated. That's how faithful God is. But remember, we knew he had called us to do what we're doing. Now listen, what was I doing when I said, Lord, you have said, I'm defeating the power of the enemy. What am I doing when I'm saying, Lord, you have said, I'm releasing the power of the word of God to bring in what I needed at that time in order to pay the bills that were coming in. One of the miraculous ones, I'd taken a few days at a cottage just to, to, to spend time with the Lord. And near the, in the middle of the third day, I remember praying and I was saying, Lord, I really need to take my children. We need to head to Florida for a vacation. I'm I'm burned, I feel burned out, and people down there to invite us, we could stay at their place, it wasn't an expensive, just getting there and coming home, that's all. And, I, and without thinking, I said, Lord, I believe that you're going to give me a check for $1,000 from a U.S. bank so we can go to Florida. And then I stopped and said, wonder what I said that for. Didn't think anything more about it. Got home that night. Margaret said, all the mail that come in through the day, it's on your desk. I've opened them. There's nothing important. So while she's making dinner, I went through them, and, and um, they're all opened. And all of a sudden, I realized there's one that wasn't opened, was written in hand to, to myself. So I opened it up. It's from somebody down in California who knows me well, my brother, actually. He just said, I want to bless you. Here's a check for $1,000 U.S. I just said, God really knows how to look after me, because that check was in the mail a long time before I made the confession. But he wanted me to know how powerful the words coming out of my mouth are, to the point where he said, I'm going to prompt power to say it, and I'm going to mail it a week before because that's how long it would take. That's my testimony of God's faithfulness. And as Esau failed by consoling himself to kill Jacob, but Jacob triumphed over the rejection of the heart by believing what God had said, overcoming the fear by believing what God had said, he was victorious. And today, his descendant, David, sat on the throne long enough that now we see his descendants to be one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of man, born of Mary, who was the descendant of David. In Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes from hearing. I have to get it up there. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I have to get it in there, folks. Years ago, I said to Margaret in our counseling, I said, honey, if people just read the Bible, 
we wouldn't have near as much counseling to do because they would know what the Lord has promised. They would know that they're supposed to use it, but they don't. They're, they're, they're being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's God spoke to Hosea in 4.6. They're being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're not being destroyed because the enemy's on their case. They're not being destroyed because of what somebody's done to them. They're being destroyed because they don't have the knowledge to know how to deal with the enemy. They don't have the knowledge to know how to deal with injustice. And they're being destroyed because, oh, woe is me, what'll I do? Gotta call my counselor. But it's so simple. Read the Word of God, get it up here. Start singing it, speaking it, memorizing, get it into your heart. Then when the enemy comes, it's there, and it says in Romans 10 that the, the Word of God coming out of our mouth and, the, and out of our hearts will save us from the attack of the enemy. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, fix your eyes on what is unseen, not on what is seen, not what you can see. See, Jacob, in my first part, he, was, he looked so much at Esau and him coming and the threat. He looked at it and the fear and the, and the distress and everything set up within him. Then he decided, I'm going to look at that which is unseen. But he'd heard it. God had said, I will not only bring you home, I will prosper you, and I'll make your descendants as numerous as the sand in the sea. And you see, faith has to be exercised. There isn't a Christian on planet Earth I haven't met them all, but I'm saying this based on what I believe the Word of God says. Unless we live by faith, you don't have to be, um, you leave your job, you don't have to do something right, but we must still live by faith. Some of you need to look at your paycheck and say, Lord, first of all, by faith, this paycheck is going to meet all of our needs, and we're going to have some left over. We're going to have some to give to the Lord. We're going to have some to take the kids to Disney World. We're going to have some left over to do something. But, Lord, it's yours. How much do you want first? Because it's supposed to be first fruits, the Bible says. How much, Lord, do you want? When I first started doing that, that's kind of a scary thing. Because the enemy is right there saying, well, what if he asked for the whole thing? Well, he might, but he'll still meet your needs. He never asked for my whole thing. But if he had, I want to sit here and say to you, I really hope that I would have had the faith to give the Lord every cent that I had in that paycheck. But he never asked me to. But I was ready to, I believe. It says in Hebrews 11, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So that's what Paul was talking about. It's unseen the things. But faith is based on hope. Faith, as a matter of fact, the King James says, faith is the substance of hope. When I know in my heart that God will look after me, that's hope. 
And out of that hope comes my faith as I speak, and I say, God will look after us. Now, what do we do with these thoughts that are coming? Well, I spoke to you last time in Romans 10. We get it into our minds. We believe it in our hearts by speaking it into our hearts. We start to use that against the enemy. Paul refers to this, I'm sure, in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He says that we're to tear down in the New International, we demolish arguments. That's the argument of the devil against what God has said you do. We demolish that. Tear it down. And, and, and we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. All this stuff coming into my mind was against what God had said. Jacob said, all that fear, all that anxiety is, is against what God has said. So therefore, it has set itself up against that knowledge. So I will take every thought captive. How did Jacob take those thoughts captive? In verse 8 and 12, in Exodus, pardon me, yes, no, in Genesis 32, this is how he took them captive. But God has said. That's how he took them captive. God has said, and you see this says, make it obedient. We take captive every thought in, verse, in that verse. We take every thought captive, and we make it obedient to Jesus. What's obedient to Jesus? In my case, it was, Lord, you have said that you will supply my needs according to riches and glory. You call me out of my job. You call me out of a, a company that was paying me well and blessing me with a profit sharing and a good pension. You call me out, so therefore, you will look after me better. I'm taking captive all the thoughts of the enemy that's saying, you're going to blow. You're going to be poor. You won't have money to feed. Some have had those thoughts. We have to take them captive. And the, we take them captive by being obedient to what Jesus said. And you say, well, Paul said that. Yes, but he spent three years in the wilderness with Jesus. He knew what Jesus was saying, and he was making it. Now, this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, the old king says, we tear down imaginations and speculations. Same thing. We demolish arguments and every, everything Satan is trying to pretend by making it real in our minds. We tear them down. Until we start doing that, Christian, we'll never be able to stand firm. Until we start doing that, we will never be an overcomer. But I can tell you this, as we stand firm, as we begin to say, my God will supply, my God will meet my needs, my God is there to bless, my God is there to fulfill his promises to me. As we start to speak that, we drive him back so that life becomes more peaceful. The things I fought with years ago, I don't have to fight with them anymore because the enemy knows, there's a demon that knows. Howard knows how to counteract. He knows how to tear down the pretension, the lies. He knows how to tear them down. So let's not bother with that anymore. Let's try to find something else. But it isn't near as bad. 
when he knows you're a fighter, they become less and less frequent. We didn't earn it, it's a gift from God, but we had to do, we had to do what the Bible says we're supposed to do in order for God to give us the grace and the gift of victory. We have to position ourselves. Here's what I mean by that. When I was a young man, 18 years, we came to college in Kitchener, and you see, when my birthday would come or Christmas would come, I'd go back up home about two hours north of here, and my parents would give me a Christmas present or a birthday present or whatever. See, it was a gift that they gave me. But I had to position myself by going there. If I'd stayed here and said, I want to go home, I probably wouldn't have got the gift. So I had to position myself. So when I do what Jesus says, I position myself so that the gift he wants to give me, the grace he wants to pour into me, I have positioned myself to get it. Now when the Lord says that he wants to bless you in some way. Maybe you've had a prophetic word given over you. Maybe a passage of scriptures kind of stood out and you felt blessed by it. I've printed some of those verses out over the years. I've printed some of the prophetic words. I've got them on my walls, I've, on my closet. I've got them and stuck in my Bible, some printed in my Bible, because I need to go to them once in a while and say, Lord, I'm being hit right now with some doubts and unbelief. But Lord, you have said, you have said that I'm to do this, to preach the gospel on this TV station. You have said that, Lord, and I'm obeying you. And so the fears, the anxieties, and all that stuff that wants to slow me down, trying to cripple me emotionally so I can't do it. I have to stand firm and begin to fight back and say, Lord, you have said, and I thank you, Lord, you have told me that I'm going to reach out into the nations, and that is happening right now. And you've said, Lord God, there's going to be people that will be blessed by what I'm teaching. Lord, I know you're doing that. Lord, you have said, and all the stuff from the enemy that says, oh, people aren't going to listen to you, people aren't going to be interested in watching you, they'll never tune in. Lord, you have said the nations will come to you from Isaiah 55, 5. He gave me that verse one day. The nations will come to you and you will go to them and, and God will give the splendor of the message that you're He's going to give that to them. Oh, Lord, thank you for a promise that I can turn to when the enemy doesn't like what I'm doing and he tries to discourage me. I can say, but God has said, and he will do it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to talk to you about Numbers 14, 28. Numbers 14. Let me, let me give you a background quickly. The children of Israel in the wilderness. They're being tempted. God has said, I'll bring you through 
I'm sorry, I'll bring you out. He'd already done that. I'll bring you through. He was in the process of doing that. And I'll bring you into the promised land. So he's promised that. If he's going to bring them into the promised land, he's going to let them live while they're going through. And, and people that know the region know it shouldn't have taken any more than 30, 40 days to get through. But he kept testing them. It was to see if they believed. The enemy is allowed to, to hit me with stuff to see if I believe what God has said. Well, they didn't. God had said, I'll bring you through. That means there'll be water, there'll be food. But they didn't believe it because when they needed water, oh, we're going to die here. God has failed us. When they needed food, we're going to die. Ten times they were tested. Ten times they said, we're going to die here. God said to Moses in, in verse 28, Numbers 14, listen, this applies to you and me. It still applies today. It's the nature of God, and God is consistent with his nature. God said to Moses, you go tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I'll do to you the very things I heard you say. Now, can I say that again? God has said that the things that he hears us say that's what he'll do to us. This was very negative because it cost the lives of everybody that was 20 years and over except Joshua and Caleb. We'll talk about them some other time. It cost them their lives because they stayed in the wilderness 40 years until all that generation had passed away. They kept saying, we're going to die here. So God said, I have said I'll bring you through, but you keep saying you're going to die here. I cancel out what I say, I'll do what you're saying. That's kind of serious. I'm going to start saying what God has said about me and stop repeating what the enemy says about me. God hears what I say. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I've heard you say. Father, we need to be forgiven for the many times that we've spoken idle things, and things that were in opposite to what you've said. We need to be forgiven or lead these people to repentance. Forgive me, Lord. I, we hurt you deeply when we don't agree with you. We hurt you deeply when we, dis, when we counterdict what you've said because we've listened to the enemy. We hurt you deeply, Lord. It says of the wilderness, you were pained, you were grieved because of the rejection of your promises, therefore the rejection of you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, please, Lord. Some of you need to spend time before the Lord asking him to forgive you and asking him to cancel out the words that you've said that are negative. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs> 